Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministry. This is Season 3, Episode 25, Ephesians 5. And what I really want to highlight today is the idea of Jesus washing us and presenting us to himself as a bride without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. But when I was looking at it, This whole chapter of Ephesians 5 is so good, and it's, let me check here, it's 33 verses, so it's not super, super long, and the more I was reading it, the more I was like, I can't leave any of this stuff out, so I'm just going to read the whole chapter and just kind of go through it and, and try to pull some stuff out, and hopefully just, you know, my heart is always with with Word Without Walls ministry. My heart is always to just kind of make the gospel plain, make the gospel simple, make it practical so that we can use it to help us get from the start of the day to the end of the day, which I honestly think is a big part of what everybody in this life is trying to do. You know, we all have goals. We all have things we want to accomplish. We all have different, you know, uh, ways that we want to get from the start of the day to the end of the day. But I truly believe that that's a huge part of this whole deal is to just really just get through this day. And I mean, you know, when we're grinding and out and it's like, I just got to get through this week. And then the next week comes and it's, I just got to get through this week, you know, kind of lather, rinse, repeat. And that's how we kind of grind our way through life a lot of times, which is why In my own life, I really try to make things special as often as I can, and I try to celebrate as often as I can, and I try to bring as much light and as much joy and as much happiness and as much love into my life and the people that I come into contact's life as I can, because it really can be a big old grind. It really can be, you know, a lot of routine and a lot of doing the things you have to do to get through the day. So, like I said, that's a big part of the thrust of my whole ministry is to make something practical to help us get through the day, to, to really try to meet where the rubber meets the road and just get rid of any obstacles, which again is why I usually read from the new living translation, because I think it's a little bit easier to understand. And I don't want to put any roadblocks that anybody might stumble over, even the King James English or, you know, some of the the other interpretations that I think maybe are a little clunkier or a little harder to read or a little harder to understand. Like, I just want to make the gospel accessible. And so, like I said, I was looking at the idea of being without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. And it's from Ephesians chapter 5. And when I got into it, I, I was just like, man, I just need to read this whole chapter. It's so good. So we'll just jump right into it and I'll start reading it and I'll pull things out and wander around and, you know, hopefully make some sort of sense and some sort of point and hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll, you know, be able to help somebody. But the heading in the Bible I'm reading out of starts with living in the light. Ephesians chapter five, verse one, it reads, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. And to me, that's a little bit tricky because I used to say when it came to uh, being a follower of Christ or a follower of the way, you guys know I don't even necessarily like 
the the, the word of the idea Christian, but you know, when having a, a spiritual relationship with our heavenly father, I used to say, receive it and reflect it. And I thought that was pretty good. But then after a little while, I was like, but should we just reflect it? Like, are we just, are we just supposed to imitate him? Are we just supposed to try to be as much like him as we can be? I don't think so. I don't think that's all the way there. I don't think that's quite it. So then God gave me a revelation where now I say, receive it and release it. Because, you know, that's really what we're here to do. I heard a preacher say it like this. You are the spout where the glory comes out. Jesus fills you up with himself. And then you fill yourself up to overflowing with what he has filled you with. And then it comes out naturally. So, which, as we're going to see in verse 2, which is kind of why I, I, I try to sidetrack here and set this up a little bit it's not so much trying to be like god we're not imitating him and and i know that you know in the natural that's a that's a that's a good picture because you you want to imitate your dad you know it says imitate god therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children like when you're a little kid your dad is your hero and you just want to follow in his footsteps to the point that you know, a lot of kids will actually put on their dad's shoes. And like, like, I remember when Logan did that with me, he put my shoes on and, and I, I wear a size 13 shoe, like it's a big shoe. And he put my shoes on and started stomping around the house and he goes, I'm the dad, I'm in charge now. You know, it's hilarious. And, you know, but I, I feel like when we understand this relationship between heavenly father and beloved son in whom he is well pleased, we see that we're not so much trying to imitate him as we are growing into an awareness of who he is in us and who we are in him, which is exactly what verse two says. It says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So quote unquote, imitating God means living a life filled with love. And that's as simple as I can put it. That's as simple as I can make it. And I, I try not to ever say that's as easy as I can make it because it's not always easy to love people. I mean, it's just not. There are some people out there that rub me the wrong way. And I, you know, it's really hard for me to, sometimes I feel like the best thing I can do with people like that is to just stay away from them and try to love them from a distance. And I'll still pray for them. Like, like sometimes people kind of get surprised when I tell them I pray, but my favorite verse in the Bible is pray without ceasing. Like I'm praying all the time. Even if you don't know that I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. If you don't think I'm praying for you, you're wrong. I'm praying for you. Like I'm praying for people all the time. I pray for other cars when I'm driving. Sometimes, you know, sometimes in the please don't hit me. God, please keep me safe on this ride home. But like if I see an accident, I'll throw a quick prayer out. Like God, just be with these people in this horrible time for them. You know, it's, I, I feel like I'm just always trying to constantly have that dialogue and that communication with God and have that connection and have that, you know, that openness so that he's involved in every aspect of my life. So to me, again, it's not, we're not trying to be like God. We're receiving his life and we're releasing his life. We're not trying to reflect him like the moon reflects the light of the sun, which isn't bad. It's just a little bit inferior, but instead we know that we are the sun and we can shine from within. So it says in verse three, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. 
obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And again, I think, you know, as simply as I can put that, it's just having an attitude of gratitude. Just being thankful for the things that you have and not worrying about the things that you don't have. Just being thankful for the things that God has given you instead of always moaning or bemoaning or, you know, hustling to try to get the things that you don't have. In my old church, we would always say, I have no lack because my God has no lack. So we can rest assured that our Heavenly Father, the creator of the universe, the, the creator of everything, the in a very real sense, the owner of everything, he has our back. The Father loveth the Son and has given all things into his hands. Like, he's already given us everything we need. So instead of trying to get something we think we don't have, by being somebody that we think we're, by trying to be somebody that we think we're not, instead we need to use what we have and embrace who we are. So it says in verse 5, You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And to me, that's a huge, huge thing. When the Bible says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, I think we kind of almost have uh, not given that the power that it actually has. And I think that's because people look at sins like bad behavior, kind of almost what, what you could read this passage to say. And I wrote a whole book about sin because it's sin is not super interesting to me. I don't really like to talk about it that much. I think, again, Jesus took away the sin of the world, so we shouldn't have to deal with it. And, and the book I wrote is about the consciousness of sin and being a slave to sin, even though Jesus took it away and broke the power of it in our lives. But here's, here's what I have to say about that for today. If you think of sin as bad behavior, then you can't reconcile that with Jesus taking away the sin of the world because people still do bad behavior, right? Even believers still do bad behavior. Whatever, whatever, your, whatever your particular flavor of sin is, whether, you know, whether it's lying, cheating, stealing, uh, drugs, alcohol, whatever. Whatever your particular culture, whatever your conviction says is, quote unquote, bad behavior, that still exists. And in a, in a, uh, even in a lot of believers' lives, that still exists. So the only way for me to reconcile the truth that the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world is to understand that sin is not bad behavior, but it's unbelief. Because what you do flows from what you believe. If you believe the wrong thing, you will do the wrong thing. But Jesus took away the sin of the world or the unbelief of the world by giving the world something, someone, love, himself to believe in. And that's why the Bible says in another place that believers cannot sin. When you understand that sin is unbelief, then by definition, a believer cannot sin because a believer cannot unbelieve. And I'm not talking about having doubts and I'm not talking about having questions. Like my namesake, Doubting Thomas, he wanted to see the holes in Jesus' hands and Jesus didn't have a problem with that. 
he said, you know, it's good that you have faith now that I'm here. Even better, those that have faith that I'm not here. But he wasn't, you know, he he. It didn't bother him to prove himself. It has never bothered God to prove himself. He's done it over and over and over again in the Bible. Anytime one of his people needed a sign or a wonder in order to believe, God gave it to them. Like he's not afraid to show up and prove to you who he is. Not He's not afraid to prove that he is who he says he is. So when we're talking about sin, I'm saying like some of these things like uh, a greedy person, uh, no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. That's the same thing as no man can serve two masters, because you will love the one and hate the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And I'm not talking about making money to pay your bills. Paul said, if you don't work, you don't eat. So, like, you have to take care of business. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about if, if you're controlled by lust or if you're controlled by greed or if you're controlled by uh, these impure things, then you will not be able to inherit the kingdom of Christ. You will not be able to experience it on the level that God wants you to experience it on. Because, like we said, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. When you're trying to, when you're greedy and you're trying to get something, it's like you're living from the outside in. You're trying to fill yourself from without. And that will never work. Because we live from the inside out. Whatever you believe is inside of you, whether it's love, whether it's bitterness, whether it's hurt, whether it's greed, whether it's contentment, whatever it is, whatever you believe is inside of you is what will come out of you. This light within you produces only what is good and right and true. What What is within you is what comes out of you. So like it says, live in the light. It says in verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Paul wrote a lot about this too when he said things like, All things are lawful to me, but not all things are expedient. He's like, I can do anything, but that doesn't mean that I should. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it, right? There are things in your life that will be beneficial to you, and there are things in your life that will not be beneficial to you. And it's like, I heard another preacher say it like this. If you cheat on your wife, God will not be mad at you, but your wife will. Like your actions have consequences. That's a, that's, that's a truth about life. Every action has an equal or greater reaction, right? So we get so messed up about like trying to please God and trying to make sure God isn't mad at us when I don't believe that God ever is mad at us. The Bible talks about him pouring out his wrath upon the cross, but the word wrath there, it meant strong, fervent desire. He poured out his desire for us on the cross. He wanted us so badly. And the cross was his way to reconcile us back to himself. So a lot of times the way we think about God is not the way that God is. And it's not the way that God thinks about us. So 
Carefully determine what pleases the Lord and take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. They're worthless. They're not going to, uh, you know, even when it comes to your diet, that there's an old saying that says, you know, a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. Because if you just eat junk food all the time, you're not doing your body any favors. You're really not. It's worthless. And I mean, you know, I, I eat a lot of junk food. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones because I live in a glass house. I, I enjoy the way chocolate tastes. I have a huge sweet tooth. But I try to balance that out in, in some small ways. I try to eat fruit. I try to drink a lot of water. Like, I, I have to at least find a balance so it's not just only junk food. And I know some people are going to be listening to this and rolling their eyes and thinking that I should eat a vegetable. But, you know, we'll see about that. I don't think they smell good. Anyway, it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. We sleepwalk through life so often and so much, just going through the motions, just grinding it out. And God has something so much better for us. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the thing that makes an abundant life abundant is love. The, the difference between death and life is love. When it says, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light, it's the light of love. His love is what wakes us up from spiritual death. And a lot of times, almost from a walking death, where we're not really experiencing life to the fullest, because there's no love in our lives. We're just, again, we're just going through the motions. And that's no way to live. When you're stuck in a rut, a rut is just a grave with both ends kicked out. Like you're, you're stuck in it. So the light of God's love is what lifts us out of that sleep, out of that paralysis, out of that death, so that we can truly experience his abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life of love. So the next heading says, living by the Spirit's power. And this is in, starting with verse 15. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the thing with that. There's another place where, I think it was Paul, was writing to Timothy, and he told him to take a little wine for your stomach. So he's not saying, he's not saying you can never have anything in your life. He says... Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. And we all know that abuse of anything is bad. Abuse of alcohol, abuse of cigarettes, abuse of chocolate. Anything you abuse is a problem. Like, that's bad. That's That will ruin your life. And he's also showing us a better option, which is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to have all of these good, godly things inside of us, filling us up and overflowing out of us. And again, he goes right back to that attitude of gratitude. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's where I really wanted to get to. It says, Spirit-guided relationships, wives and husbands. And there's so much here that I think I might I might do a rant series on it later on. Just about the, 
the the spiritual aspects of wives and husbands and the idea of like just the 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 masculine part of god and the feminine part of god because when god created humans it says he created them in his image male and female he created them there's a there's a male aspect of god and a female aspect of god that's why there are males and females like that's how that works you can't say we were all created in the image of God. And then you can't say God was a man because that obviously not all of us are men. And I've even heard people say, well, God created Adam in his image and then took Eve out of him and made something different. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he made them in his image, male and female. He created them. So there's so much with the wives and the husbands. There's so much with, with the masculine and the feminine. There's so there's so much there that, that we might dive into this year. We'll see. But for today, with starting with verse 21, it reads, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So right off the jump, before we read verse 22, it says, Submit to one another. We are in this together. It's, it's not saying men are greater than women. It's not saying husbands are greater than wives. So when it next says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. People will use that to abuse people. And it drives me crazy because the verse above that is says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Nobody's supposed, I don't know, maybe this is just me and, and just the, the, the way that I feel about things. But when I think about one human being trying to control another human being, like it makes my skin crawl. Like that's so abhorrent to me. it's so bothersome even with my own son i don't want to control him i want to teach him i want to train him up in the way he should go and then cross my fingers and pray that he won't depart from that i don't want to control him like i tell him to brush his teeth every morning and every night not to control him but because it's not in his brain to do it unless i put it there it's so crazy to me that a person would try to manipulate and control another person that doesn't make sense to me So to use the Bible and say to your wife, you have to submit to me because that's what the Bible says. Stop. That's not what it's about. It says for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Everybody should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It says for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now get this next part and really catch this next part. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. That's the part that seems to get missed a lot of times when people want to try to use and abuse the scripture to say, I'm in charge and you have to do what I say. The next part is you have to love your wife. If you're not loving your wife, why would she submit to you? It's like the same it's like the same thing I always talk about in our relationship with God. Like obedience is a trust issue. If you trust God, you will obey God. If you trust that he knows not only what to do and not only where you should go, but how to get you there. If you trust him, you will obey him. And that's where you know we get lost a lot of times is we think we know better. But the Bible says that too. It says, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. When we go our own way, it doesn't usually work out very well. And I always kind of come back to the same example of it. But even in my own life as a writer, I've written my whole life and I was never able to really finish much of it or do anything with it. And then 
I turned my writing over to the Lord and I started writing Jesus books and more things of that nature. And I started, I, I wrote my first book in two weeks and it just poured out of me. And then I sold a couple of books and wrote a lot, <laughs> a lot of books actually, by this time, a lot of Jesus books and some other stuff too. But it's just, it's God knows the way. And when we try to do it our own way, it's so easy to get lost. But if we trust him and obey him and submit ourselves to him, then he can take us where he wants us to go. And and when it comes to this relationship, when it comes to husbands and wives or, you know, spouses or significant others or whatever you want to call it, when we understand that we're in this together, when we're standing back to crack, I'm sorry, when we're standing back to back with each other, when we really understand that we're in this together and we're a team and we're working towards the same goal. It's not me versus you. It's me and you versus the problem. And that's where we need to be. We need to submit ourselves to each other. We need a husband who loves his wife. And if your husband loves you and will take care of you, then you then it, then it's easy to submit to him. It's easy to let him be the quote unquote man of the house because he's taking care of things. He's taking care of the house. So it says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Excuse me. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And God's word is Jesus. God's word is love. That's what he washed us with. He washed us with his love. When you're washed with love, it washes everything else away and it fills you up and covers you with that love. It's a love is a protection. Love will protect you from, you know, the 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 harshness or the hardness of the world. And here's what I really wanted to read today, verse 27. It says, "He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault." Guys, we don't present ourselves to God. He presented us to himself as a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. He cleaned us, and then he presented us to himself. He did all of the heavy lifting. He did everything that needed to be done because we couldn't do it, and because he didn't expect us to do it. He wanted a church that that was without spot, wrinkle, or any other blemish, so he got rid of all the spots, all the wrinkles, and all the blemishes. He made us holy and without fault. That's how we are. And that's how we need to start seeing ourselves. And that's how we need to start seeing each other. I always try to say it like this. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's not what you do. That's who you are. That's you on your worst day. That's you when you've done all of these, you know, bad, immoral, impractical, shameful, worthless things. Even on that worst day, you're still the righteousness of God in Christ. Your identity will never change. But when you know your identity, everything else will change because you live from the inside out. What you believe dictates what you do. What you do flows from what you believe. So when you believe right, that's when you will begin to act right. But it's not about cleaning up yourself. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's about understanding that God transformed you into basically, really, I'm just going to say it, himself, someone who is holy and without fault, 
someone who is without spot, wrinkle, or any other blemish. That's what God did for us because that's how God wanted us. That's how he's always seen us. And that's how he wanted us to see ourselves. So let me finish this chapter before we run out of time. It says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And if you love your wife the way you love yourself, like you would do anything for you. People talk about they want to go to heaven, but then they spend every dollar they got in the hospital if they get a disease. So it's like that old song that says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. So if we loved our wives the way we love ourselves, why wouldn't the wife respect us? Why wouldn't the wife be happy? Why wouldn't the wife submit, you know? So the, it, this relationship that we have, it comes from mutual love and respect. It comes from, uh, again, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It comes from not trying to change people, not trying to change ourselves, but seeing the change that God has made in us, seeing the transformation that God did in us on the cross and through the cross. That's what it's all about. That's how we've been washed. That's how we were made clean. That's why we have no spots, wrinkles, or any other blemishes. That's why we're holy and without fault. He did it for us, and he presented us to himself. That's the divine order of things. That's how it worked. So I hope that's encouraging. I hope that gets us to stop thinking about how bad we are and start seeing how good we are. And I hope to see you guys all next week. Thank you. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it, and you can, su you can support it Excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh to help me to get the word out which you know as we know by now is is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry um so just thank you for your support i love you and there's nothing you can do about it amen